Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Listening to the War Report Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to College Loop Podcast, episode 153 of the College Loop Podcast. I'm Don Aibotech on Twitter slash X. We're joined by Mr. Harrison Tar. Tar, how you doing, buddy? Hey, man. Uh, been a quiet weekend on the planes, huh? <laughs> not not a lot going on since the uh, last show we had on Thursday. No, uh, super super good week for me, Dylan. Got to spend some time with my lovely girlfriend. As we uh, we come up on our five year anniversary, um, so got some time to hang in. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, hanging out there with her, and thank you for covering on Thursday and and t- being our fearless leader as you always are here at the College Loop. I did publish tonight's rundown. Thought I'd give that a try so you guys could kind of get a concept. It looked much better when I had it in bullet points on Google uh, on Google Docs. It didn't translate nicely over to YouTube. So if you guys can follow that, awesome. If not, I'm sorry. I will get better with the formatting on that front. But super excited to be here talking about Auburn athletics. Obviously, a huge win for Auburn women's basketball this afternoon over number seven LSU, the reigning national champions. We'll talk more about that. Daniel Locke will return to the show this afternoon in a cameo role and give his account at around 6.30 Central time. And Jacob Hillman will join us about 6.45 to cap us off for Auburn women's basketball and transition us over into Auburn men's basketball. I'll give his takeaways. Once again, that's Jacob Hillman from Auburn Sports Network and Daniel Locke from 1819 News. Took me a second for the, um, I almost said 1813. That would not have been the right years. <laughs> James Barnett, what's up, my man? How are you? WDE, Chris Gazi. It looks like you're hanging out with us too. Good to see you guys. Thank you guys so much for joining us. As always, give us your questions in the chat. We will try to get to them as we are able. Should be a really, really busy 
really, really fun show. Chris, we're doing great, man. Thanks so much. Good to see you. Hope everything's uh, going well with everybody here. So since we finally got out of the neck of that bad weather. All right, Dylan, sorry. I've, I've uh, been running my mouth a lot. Let's get into it. Lots of news with Auburn football, and it starts with Cadillac Williams. It does. I mean, the last time we saw each other, uh, the biggest news of uh, of the college football century broke because Nick Saban announced his retirement. Ryan Williams announced his decommitment. And everything was looking good and swell if you're an Auburn fan talking to Alabama fans. Well, then 24 hours later, news broke about Cadillac Williams announcing his resignation from the Auburn football staff. He will no longer be Auburn's assistant head coach slash running backs coach. Uh, best of luck in his career. I we're not gonna dive. We're not gonna dive into any rumors that are getting thrown around. We are. We only dealt with facts here. And told Tim Tolmain Taylor, uh, yes, they are melting. It was very fun uh, talking to Bama fans after that because a lot of Bama fans don't know a world of of Nick Saban with uh, no no world of Alabama without Nick Saban. And I can't really say that I'm too well adverse to that time period before Nick Saban uh, because my first conscious memory was 04 and that was the Citadel game. And I, and after that was kind of a blank and then woke up for, for 2000, I think 2009 and uh, got to enjoy the 2010 season. But yes, Cadillac is of course gone. Uh, he is going to go find a better job that suits the improvement of his career. I don't think he wanted to see himself as a running backs coach anymore. He wanted to be something more than that, but that was never going to happen under the freeze tenure. And Tara, I'll let you tell your piece on the matter. On on the departure of Cadillac Williams. Yeah. Uh, All I'll say right now, as we kind of let everything play itself out, like you mentioned, Dylan, we're not touching rumors. We're not touching um, our personal opinions or what what we we think on that regard is uh, there is no denying Cadillac Williams importance the Auburn to the Auburn football program uh dating dating back to his his time as, as a student athlete but most most notably for for saving and riding the ship and and to just just a year and a half ago at this point now and it feels like yesterday in 2022 when Cadillac Williams took the reins as the first black head coach of the Auburn football program which should never never be overlooked so it's such a, a great and deserving achievement for for Cadillac and him assuring Auburn the Auburn faithful the Auburn recruits and the Auburn players and beyond the Auburn football was going to be okay. Single-handedly saved this ship. I don't care what anybody says. I know it takes a village, but that was the correct choice in the leader and an interim coach. And his impact on young men's lives is evident. Uh, his players love him. Uh, everyone that works around him has ever only ever said good things about him. The Auburn family adopted him yeah, all over again in, in 2022, as if they didn't already. And I don't have to mention his, his, his historic numbers that he put up when he actually suited up and, and toted the rock for Auburn. Very, very excited for what the future can hold for Cadillac Williams. I don't know that this is a permanent goodbye from Auburn. And I, I mean, I sure as hell hope not. Uh, he, he left with only kind words regarding the free uh, staff and, and the program. So we're wishing him the absolute best. That's kind of what I got. That's my piece. Uh, I will be a fan of Cadillac Williams wherever he's at. Um, not just because he coached in my alma mater, uh, but because of the kind of, uh, of integrity and, and kind of man that he, that he not just projected to be, but was. And then the way he carried himself and the way his family uh, was so committed and dedicated to Auburn. Uh, that was no easy task. And let's be honest, guys, when Brian Harson left this left this place, it was in a shit storm. And it would have taken a madman to embrace that challenge heads on, heads head first. And he just dove in uh, by serving and by loving on those guys. And, and I, that that resonated with me, uh, his his uh, his passion for serving. So wishing him the best. It's worth saying. Uh, Cadillac went, uh, he went crazy 
he did to, to take over a ship that was uh looked like it was sinking but uh they were able to patch it up just in time but uh it is i, I do think cadillac is probably off to I don't want to say power five. I don't think he wants to be a running backs coach anymore. Uh, either coordinator job or head coach job. Uh, and I definitely think there are probably some teams around the world that uh, around the country, not around the world, but around the country that would kill to have a coach that will support your players and support your school. Like Cadillac did at Auburn. Uh, I also, I don't really think that, I, I don't think that Hugh Freeze, and I know everyone was kind of up in arms about the whole Hugh Freeze hire, so up in the air if if it's a hire that Auburn will uh, love or regret uh, going into year two, so we're not going to dive into that. But I don't think that, knowing how some coaches work, that it was Freeze's decision to bring Cadillac on, keep Cadillac on the staff. Uh, you're just trying to get a guy who's a controversial figure, uh, and try to find uh, someone who's not so controversial in, in, in the Auburn sphere to kind of back your back your hire in Cadillac was that guy. Uh, and I don't really – I think that's pretty much it. I, I think it's just Cadillac wasn't uh, a member – was not on the, on the dream staff that Hugh Freeze wanted to put together. Uh, but ultimately, uh, his, his, co- his coaching speaks for itself. Uh, he will be missed on the staff. Uh, and I do wish him the best because he is going to be the best wherever he goes. And the same can be said for Zach Etheridge, who we're, who we're about to talk exactly. about here in just a second. I'm going to go ahead and lead into this. Zach Etheridge announcing he's also stepping away from the Auburn football program. I will address those rumors just briefly, Dylan. It does sound like there is a place for him at Houston, and, and that's a good thing. I, I'm this is like I'll not me like spreading you know bull bullshit, but it does sound like there's a place for Zach Etheridge at Houston, and he certainly deserves his opportunity. Uh, to work upward and in the coaching world uh, and and in the the football sphere, that that young man has done tra- a tremendous job and and built him and established himself as a tremendous recruiter, tremendous coach, and great at building relationships with his guys. He's got a lot of X's and O's bo- uh, book smart, but he's also has a great worldview. Um, it's going to be a tremendous asset to wherever he lands. I'll say it that way. Uh, but I think it is Houston. Uh, I think he's got a tremendous opportunity with a program that's uh, you know obviously going into year two of the Big Twelve. Should that be the be, be the case for him? So wishing him the absolute best. I think the, on all accords, this is probably the best situation. Um, you know, it sounds like I'm calling back to Cadillac, but I'm specifically entailing this one to Zach Etheridge um, for what he needs, not just only in his professional career, but in his personal career, being able to pursue his his future family and and, and his relationship with his girlfriend, wishing them the absolute best. Yeah, and Houston, uh, he's going for power five to power five. Uh, and I'll go ahead and address the comment from Tim Tomain Taylor. Uh Curious, what do y'all think will be the impacts player-wise with the two departures? I don't think this affects – I don't think Zach Etheridge leaving affects the departures of any defensive backs uh, because I do think that with – and I'll go ahead and break this. With Crime Dog coming back yep. uh, after uh, after leaving for Texas A&M, with Crime Dog coming back, I don't think he would skip a beat. Uh, I do. Uh, Crime Dog was really – uh, someone that held the hold held the secondary all together alongside Zach Etheridge, and it, he's a very he's a veteran uh, defensive back coach. He knows the stuff, uh, and he came back because of the uh, firing of Ron Roberts, uh, and because I think they just didn't mesh very well together. Uh, but with uh, with Cadillac, I, I Quez is back. We'll get to that later in a second, but. I I uh, I don't I don't think this is gonna affect any departures 
that I know of. And to kind of build off that, that's all I have to add because I'm kind of on the same page as you don't. I think we'd already know. Uh, if we don't know, we'll know in the next 48. Those, those, those young men have to kind of make that decision kind of quick and get and get on a, another squad ASAP if they're going to hit the portal. Uh, I, th- I think that we know, and, and I don't think it has a tremendous impact. Um, you know, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors in terms of what they're, they're telling these guys in, in recruiting meetings. I mean, there, there may have been some transparency. Who's to say about, hey, I, you know, you're a great fit here. I'm going to be X, Y, Z. This is this is my plan. Um, I don't know. That's all speculation. Right? Like, right? like I said, you can't I would say you, you can't spell assume without making an ass out of you and me. But I, I think we'd already know, um, which should bring some comfort to a lot of Auburn fans. And I do want to kind of touch base real quick with uh, James Barnett's comment uh, about the the length of taking of uh, hiring car- coordinators. Sorry, Dylan's typing on one screen and I'm on another screen and then getting distra- distracted. Um, so that's uh, that's super cool. James mentioned, fellas, any idea why it's taking so long to hire coordinators? I understand D.C., but O.C., is it possible if Hugh Freeze is looking at another offense coordinator? This is an interesting one for me, Dylan. And there's also the element uh, everyone knows that, that we're, we're looking for the right guy at, D- at D.C., uh, and that's going to be a, a kind of a, a tedious process. Offensive coordinator is an interesting sell now since Hugh Freeze is going to be calling plays in 2024. Uh, it's kind of like telling someone, hey, I want you to do my my, my project for me, but I'm still going to present it. And, and and I don't I don't know that that's a horrible analogy, Dylan. I think it's kind of the right thing, the right concept, the, because you can always have quality control guys and guys that understand their roles. But now you're telling OCs, hey, look, I'm looking for this guy and there's plenty of people that want it. But I'm looking for a guy that wants to come in and help me install an offense. But I'll, ultimately, I'm going to have full control of this, which when you're working for your a boss in general and at, at any job, you, they have the final say anyway. So I guess it really doesn't matter. But it is an interesting sell. So uh, that's kind of where my head's at. Defense coordinator makes perfect sense to me. Um, kind of heard before the season that Ralph Roberts was going to, before the season ended, that Roberts was probably going to be out at the end of the year. Taking that lateral move to Florida means he really did not want to be at Auburn anymore. Uh, now it's finding uh, the long-term guy. And by long-term, you're hoping three- or four-year replacement uh, that you can really bring in to install a defense. I don't know what that looks like, uh, but it does have to be a careful process because we mentioned it earlier, Dylan, uh, not, to, not tonight, but in previous shows, this won't be a make-or-break coordinator hire, but it will turn a lot of heads. People will be watching. I mean, now this uh, with every rumor and tweet and all the fan backlash that some things give, it, it, it they're tr- really trying to make the second season sound like it's going to be more important than it is. Uh, because of course, bringing in a recruiting class like that is going to spark expectations, which sure. is like the worst thing you can give to any kind of Auburn football team. Uh, and I'm speaking from experience. Uh, but uh, looking at it at the coordinators, you, you know, like you said, you, you're looking for an offensive coordinator who isn't going to be running the offense. That's exactly what you're looking for. So you have to sell that to 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 a coach. Like, hey, I'm calling the plays. Uh, I'm just going to need you to be a recruiter for me. So you're not looking for other coordinators you're looking for a recruiting coordinator that can just have the oc name and that's something i was thinking about because like it, with Derek nix he wasn't really a coordinator he, didn't call, he doesn't call plays at all miss but it doesn't seem like he's gonna be leaving uh but also lane kiffin is a troll so i don't believe anything that he tweets <laughs> uh so uh you you just never know because the offense side of the ball is going to be so dependent on whatever hugh freeze wants to do we saw that this past year uh, whenever we he tried to give the keys to Phil Montgomery, and it just spiraled out of control. Uh, and spiral uh, is a pun because the ball very rarely spiraled anywhere uh, <laughs> outside of the defender's hands because of how how jumbled how much of a jumbled mess the offense was. So you 
finding an OC, I, it doesn't really matter. Or it, it's not going to matter who it is as long as it's someone who understands. It could be Trevon Reed for all it matters. Uh, just a guy who's going to be recruiting. Uh, and I did just add a little tip about Javon Reed in the in the rundown too, so I'll get more I, into that. I do, I do need to to mention that your your ERC still needs to know how to help install an offense. Like that, well, yes. that is still still very imperative that it cannot be all recruiting focused. We saw what happened this year when it's clear that the coaching staffs more focused on recruiting than they are on game planning. There's got to be a balance. It's a tough league to win in. It's a tough level to win at, and you got to make sure that you're getting the right guys. So that's. I think that puts a nice bow on it there, Dylan, is that you're trying to find that happy medium. Right. And, and I will say, uh, OC, we don't know who it's going to be. But we do know who uh, half of the coordinate, defense coordinators are going to be uh, because Charles Kelly, the uh, former uh, Colorado – I forgot Colorado existed for a second. The former Colorado defense coordinator who ESPN won – was Do what? ESPN didn't forget they existed. Well, yeah. Uh, well, 24-7 didn't either because he was uh, 24-7's recruiter of the year. Uh, now he has been he has now been in Auburn for I think like a week and a half now, and now his official position has been named by Auburn football. He is going to be the co defensive coordinator, and also going to be working alongside the defensive backs, alongside Coach Crime Dog. Uh, so we're probably going to find another coordinator who got, who's probably going to focus more on the front seven side of things and schematics. And just schematics, just, of just just general schematics. And I will say to everybody, just want to say it's not going to be T Rob. If you've already missed that, he's going to Georgia. So hip, hip, hooray. Just kidding. Uh, so there's no telling because uh, at, at any point, if there, it's just message board talk about who they think it's going to be, it's just rumors on Twitter who it's going to be. Uh, no one else is in huge threat except for Hugh Freeze. Uh, so no one really knows what's going on. I would love it if I knew. Uh, it would definitely make it a lot less. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Do I want to say stressful? Or I was thinking chaotic? you were going to go stressful. Stressful or chaotic? And at some point, those words are interchangeable. Just, exactly. Uh, but yeah, and, and Charles Kelly is at least one of one third of the coordinators that are going to be named this offseason. and I do think it's a home run hire uh, just for what it is. And it does beg the question for position coach wise. Uh, you now have an opening at the running back position. So at some point, if you find another running backs coach who could do the recruiting side of things, I, there you go. But I, I do think you're going to be looking for someone. I have seen some people throw around Cam Martin and Brad Lester. Cam Martin's a weird one. Cam Martin is a very weird one. I Brad get the Lester. Auburn connection, but I, I don't, I don't know. And here's the, I, I love Trevon Reed. I love caddy. I love Zach Etheridge. I, I love T Rob. I love, even though he's in Georgia and Alabama now, or he's worked for both of those teams. Uh, and, of course, uh, T-Will. At some point, is what point would it make just to hire a bunch of Auburn alum? Well, there's, it's, a, it's a tightrope. Uh, it, this is tough when you even look at the head coaching level. Uh, when, you, when you build a staff out of all alum, alumnus or you know, former players, you walk a fine, a fine line. Um, Kirby Smart worked out great at Georgia in terms of yeah, you're bringing in a coveted guy that's this is he's coming to coach his alma mater, and that's on a much bigger scale. I get that, but think about if if Auburn would have hired Cadillac Williams as its head coach and things gone horribly wrong, then you have a hard, hard, hard relationship you got to break off. Uh, and and no one wins. It's it's like an ugly divorce. Look what happened at Scott with Scott Frost in Nebraska. Look no further than that. I he mean, it, happy, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, he's rich, so anyways, um, but. It's, it's tough to build a staff out of all guys that you know were from this program. On one side, they can recruit this program better than anybody else can because they know it and how it impacted their lives. They can give 
live testimonials face to face to recruits and, and and their parents. But on the flip side of that coin, if they're not doing their job well, or if they're not a fit, or they want to go elsewhere to pursue their career, then you have these weird like it's like a bad breakup where it's like I don't really want to talk to them, but I want to see them. We we've all been literally we've all been there. Uh, it's 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 one of those, and you do build a a metaphorical ceiling of of where how high this program can take you. Because you've got to bring in guys that have have ascended beyond what some of these these former players have have done and have experience elsewhere and and know how to win in different ways and different levels. Like I said, it's hard to win in this league. So continuing to just build a, a, a program of just alumnus and and former players, it's it, it is a double edged sword, and you have to have a healthy mix. So I like what you're what you're mentioning there, Dylan. That you got to have um, di- diversity in terms of backgrounds. And it is worth mentioning that, as I said that, I just recalled the fact that Charles Kelly definitely played for Auburn as a defensive back back in his yeah. old playing days. So No, no. And, and look, I, I understand that, but it's like two out, one in, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- think about that. Like, you're, you're keeping that, maintaining that balance. Don't necessarily go get guys just because you have an affinity for them, for what they did at Auburn as a player or even as a, even as a previous coach. You can, you can respect the hell out of those guys and cheer, cheer them on to success. I mean, I know that we do. You and I are big T-Will guys. I will always be appreciative for everything he did there or did at Auburn, but that doesn't mean they have to come home. That does not mean that they have to come back at, at all times. Yeah. And I mean, looking at, I'm looking at the staff as we speak and the only position coach or not like the support staff, I think a support staff that works out. Sounds better. The only support staff that I can notice off of the rip that is someone who played at Auburn is Trevon Reed. And of course he got a promotion uh, for be, he's going to be an on on the or on the road reporter or recruiter instead of being uh, just from in house. Uh, so I mean that that works out perfectly fine because Trevon Reed. I, I don't know how what he's how he stands as like a position coach. I'm sure he'd be great, uh, but as a recruiter, Trevon Reed is uh, probably one of the biggest assets on, on the football staff. Uh, and, and I'm so glad to hear that he was going to get that promotion. Uh, because Trevon Reed has been probably one of the biggest recruiters on this team. If and not the biggest recruiter. It, it's, not the biggest. Closer. it's him and Walker White. One, one A, one B uh, are top, on top of that. But And nobody I, rivals Trevon Reed's drip. Let's just be honest. He's the drippiest guy in Auburn, Alabama. That's just a fact. And I'll be buying his hat soon. Uh, he, he, I unironically want him to start his own like clothing line. I, I think I think there, there's a tremendous – Trevon, if you're hearing me, um, we'd love to partner because this is a concept. Uh, I think there's a tremendous market there. I'm just saying, just saying, a lot of cool stuff we could do with the TR initial. See, you've seen what the guys have done with the TWR initials. Just imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think it was a. I'm trying to remember who exactly it was. Was it Comfortable Edits or whoever put put out the put out the official tweet about him getting the promotion? The hat that he wore, like a little like cartoon tiny tiger walking okay. across, is 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 hard. Uh, so definitely try to find that, but I couldn't find it anywhere. I'm personal friends with college football edits. I don't know why we haven't connected yet. Anyways, he was fully in my Can't War Eagle class. <laughs> I'm not joking. Well, get him on. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, Charles Kelly, big name defense coordinator. Uh, I, in Cadillac and Zach Ethard being gone uh, hurts our hearts, but ultimately probably the best moves to move on from former staff. Exactly. Cause at some point, I don't want to say it like this, but getting rid of all of the former coaching staffs uh, or getting rid of all the former coaches, coaching staffs would probably not hurt the team. 
because at some point you got to let your coach coach. Yeah. You can't, you can't try, you cannot give someone the keys to the car without giving them the wheels. And there's an element of like, if, if you're going to let it run its course, let them go all in and run the course. Uh, And and if it doesn't work, then you decide. But until then, you know, you got to give it its fair chance, uh, which has not always been what people think to be Auburn's MO, but you got to give it its fair chance to let it install its own stuff, uh, whatever that may be. And I will say, and I know Auburn fans hate him or respect him, but hate him. There was a former coach from the other side of the state who just retired, who his like first instinct to tell the boosters was, you're going to give me full control or you won't have me at all. That needs to be instilled if you want success in your football program. Yeah, you cannot control not the just coach football, because court. the coach needs to be in control. Exactly. Uh, so, I mean, ultimately, that's what I think it ultimately is with those two being gone. Uh, Crime Dog coming back is great. Charles Kelly being announced is great. Uh, and also, in terms of coming back. And, and, and Charles personnel. Kelly and switching personnel. over to personnel. Uh it has been announced by the man himself, by the man who wears cowboy hat and jean shorts and cowboy boots himself, that Jarquez Hunter has officially announced that he'll be returning to the Tigers in 2024. Auburn's leading rusher who got so, so close to getting a thousand yards. He has announced that he'll be returning. And it looks like Auburn's returning all of their running backs from last year in terms of Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin, Jeremiah Cobb, Brian Battee, Sean Jackson, the legend, and of course the walk-on Justin Jones who who played very well in the special teams role that he, he took on uh, and had a pretty good carry against UMass. But this Auburn running back room is back. Uh, officially, and they went and got him some help. And and Mississippi State offensive tackle transfer Percy Lewis and his commitment to Auburn. Uh, since the last time that uh, we spoke with the with the Loopers, uh, Tar, I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, but Percy Lewis is six foot eight, three hundred and sixty pounds. Got all SEC honorable mentions, and of course. Is, again, just a massive human being. Uh, I, I, what, I, what I'm seeing and what I've been hearing is that Percy Lewis will be probably the starting tackle, uh, either right or left. I'm not too sure which one it is. Uh, but it's going to try to pave the way for Dylan Wade to move to the guard position, where I think the staff likes him a lot better at. And I can't lie, I prefer Dylan Wade to be elsewhere on the offensive line <laughs> after last year. But everyone last year had a pretty, had a pretty rough patch, except for – the goat of centers, uh, Connor Lou. Uh, but Percy Lewis is a huge, huge pickup for the stretch portal class. A class that's not really surprised, like shocking people with names getting added, but definitely the personnel that is getting are definitely, definitely very helpful, uh, quality. to this quality players. Uh, so not recruiting the guys that are, that are rated, but the guys you want, uh, instilling a mantra from a former coach, but doing it way better, uh, than the former coach did. Uh, yeah, Percy Lewis definitely guys probably gonna be an immediate starter. I'm gonna try to hold off on making any uh, comments about how good he will be, uh, because last time I did that, i.e., last off season, uh, Gunnar Britton let me down. Uh, yeah, but this young man has has SEC experience. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's value. There's so much value. Yeah, it does help. And uh, and also let's not forget for three years of it in there in an air raid scheme, uh, in terms in terms of pass blocking. That's you know something that Auburn needs help with. Um, so, and it doesn't help. It does help that he is uh six foot eight, 360 pounds. Yeah, that doesn't that, help. That definitely helps a lot. That helps the cause. Let's talk a little bit about, and, and Auburn fans, feel free to jump in. If you guys are hanging out right here in the college loop, thank you guys for joining us. I know that there's a young man that all of you are, are keeping an eye on, uh, quite, 
quite closely, and that is five-star wide receiver Ryan Williams. Uh, he took his OV at Texas A&M. Everyone saw there's like a bazillion pictures. Uh, and then he came out and said to on-threes Chad Simmons that his top five are neck and neck. He needs someone to excel and take the throne. That top five, I will remind you real quick, is Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M, and Texas. So this young man has decided he's going to play ball in the SEC. That, that, is, that is for sure going to happen. I will be interested. I'm a little shocked that this came out so quickly after his OV at A&M. Uh, I saw a lot of message boards comments mentioning his uh, how much he enjoyed his time at A&M and that things looked good for Gigum Nation, 12th man, whatever you want to say. I would not be shocked if Auburn winds up in the final running uh, in, t- in terms of when they when they choke down. I'm, I'm certain Ryan will um, at least hint at something that there will be a choke down in the, uh, from five to two or three. Uh, I would not be shocked if Auburn remains in the mix. I also would not be surprised if Alabama remains in the in the mix. Uh, I don't know that he's completely decommitted from the tide, uh, despite backing off his pledge uh, just a few days ago. Uh, and uh, Leanne, I promise, I see Leanne Owen said, how about those ladies being LSU today? Almost hit 8,000 at the NEV. We are getting there, and we're going to spend some time on that. But Dylan... But, but, but before we do that, we're going to round out uh, our football conversation. Then we are actually going straight into women's basketball with Daniel Locke, who will be here just momentarily right here and join us on the College Loop live stream. Dylan, you mentioned before the show uh, that, you know, obviously adding another five-star to this mix is intangibly valuable and, and immeasurably valuable, rather. How does Auburn sell itself when you're getting pretty crowded at that position? You look at it the same way that, again, the guy on the other side of the state used to do it. It wasn't a matter of uh, – at this point, it's it's pretty evident that these freshmen are going to be playing just because of how good they are. I mean, looking at it, looking at Cam Coleman, looking at Perry Thompson, those two kids are just absolutely ta- more talented than any other wide receiver on this on this team. I, I, I don't want to give him – I do think Jay Fair definitely rivals them. Uh, and I'd love to see if Camden Brown actually stepped up and reached his full potential. Uh, but Perry Thompson, Cam Coleman are going to be playing. Uh, as simple as that. Malcolm Simmons and Bryce Kane are going to see the field. Now you're looking at it at – now you're going to be looking at Ryan Williams. You're looking at it from do you want to be a key contributor to a team or do you want to be part of what could be the most talented wide receiver room of all time? And I mean of all time. This is already the most talented wide receiver room in Auburn football history. Now he has a chance to make it the most – talented of all time uh i'm i will say it if auburn misses out on him i don't think it's a huge loss because of who you're bringing in i do think ryan williams is definitely very talented and very quick uh and my mantra for uh hit the remainder of these last 24 days is anywhere but bama uh abb if you will and i don't want to say ab too loud because tar will have uh flashbacks <laughs> but uh yeah, I, I do think Ryan Williams would definitely be a huge contributor to this team, no matter what. This could be the youngest starting wide receiver room in the country. Uh, Can we look at anyone in. but Bama anyone? That way it's ABBA. We could start <laughs> singing Dancing Queen. It's going to be awesome. There's your there's your show tunes coming out of you. <laughs> uh, and I will say, before we get Daniel here to talk about the women's basketball game, which was a huge, huge win, I will say we've not officially been able to talk about Kalen DeBoer. DeBoer? 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 DeBoer. DeBoer. DeBoer, what, just in just a short spiel, we should give our thoughts on that because he is is going to be very important going into the 
I'm, I'm going to be quick. I'm going to be quick, and then I'm going to let, let you be quick, and then we'll, I'm going to hit the ad read, and then we're going to bring Daniel Locke in to talk about Auburn's huge victory over number seven LSU. And I hear just one moment, so y'all bear with us. Uh, DeBoer is a hell of a ball coach. Uh, I mean, if you look at his resume, this looks like some stuff that I've done on NCAA 14 before, I'm going to be honest with you. In terms of starting at Eastern Michigan, working his way up through Fresno State, through Washington, taking Washington to the title game, and now getting his opportunity at the premier college football program in the country. As, you know, I know that hurts a lot of people to say, but it's true. Uh, imitation is the best form of flattery. There's some notes you can take from Coach K- Saban, the greatest to ever do it. I think Alabama got a great ball coach. I don't know if he's the right guy. Uh, we'll, 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 time will tell. I sure as hell would not want to be the guy to follow Nick Saban. Uh, I mean, I, I would because the, the money would be great. Um, but I, I at the same time, that is a hell of a legacy. Uh, left, left, left um, I guess, unfinished business for a lot of people, too, in terms of maintaining that standard is, is going to be tough. You're going to suffer transfer portal, I guess, exits for the first time in a long time. And it'll it'll be interesting to see more handles this. I think he's a great coach, uh, obviously well-connected with his guys, good quarterback developer. Uh, and and I don't know that he's the answer at, at Alabama. He's not done it in the SEC yet. But I, I'm sorry, at the head coaching level in the SEC yet? I, I was going to say in the South. <laughs> yeah, not, not done it in the South yet. But at the same time, yeah, he's 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 capable of getting the best out of his guys. I'll be interested. I think that this uh, the program stays in in good shape over on the other side of the state, but I do think it makes things a hell of a lot more interesting because I don't still don't consider him a top five coach in the SEC as we stand now. I don't. Yeah, I he's definitely a great coach. He got Washington to where they are. Uh, out of the mud. Out of the mud. Uh, he he beat Dan Lanning three times. He beat Steve Sarkeesian twice. Uh, definitely knows how to win. Uh, but can he win in this in in, in, the, in the southeastern conference? Because uh, the, clo- the furthest he's been south is Fresno State. The closest he's been to the southeast is Indiana. Uh, so I'm not too sure of how great of a hire it is. I think it's a good hire uh, in terms of the quality of coach, but I don't think it's a great hire for what it what it would mean for the future. I think Alabama definitely has the talent to you know still win games, uh, yeah. but. This is going to be a different level of coach that Bama fans probably aren't very used to. This is going to be an offensive-minded, play-calling head coach. And if my memory succeeds me succeeds me here, uh, I don't believe Alabama has had success with offensive-minded coaches. Nick Saban, Gene Stallings, Bear Bryant, all very defensive-minded coaches. Kalen DeBoer is going to be hands-on in that offense. And honestly, I don't see Milrow being the starting quarterback in 2024 and an air raid system. That's a hell of a hell of a conversation to open up at a later date when, when we see more developments. We'll make sure we maintain a, a close eye on that, obviously, as we nat- naturally would here at the College Loop Podcast. We're going to roll into Auburn's 67-62 victory over LSU. But right after these ad reads, y'all hang tight. I promise you guys we are just as excited, if not more excited, than anybody here uh, for Coach Jay and company. Daniel Locke eagerly awaiting his return on the College Loop Podcast sitting backstage. So we will get to that in just a moment. But before we do so, I want to remind you guys, if you guys are, well, obviously you're watching here on the live stream. So if, so if you're hanging out with us right here on the live stream, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave a comment. Ring the bell so you can stay up to date with everything going on right here at the College Loop Podcast. That is the number one way you can support us. It's absolutely free. It doesn't cost you a dime. And you make sure you don't miss out on any of the action-packed stuff we've got coming up this spring because good Lord knows that athletics do not stop in the spring. As a matter of fact, they go harder. Um, so it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It feels like we're running a three-ring circus around here sometimes, and we love every single second of it. Help us get up to 800 subs. You guys are the best. We have 741 of our closest friends, Dylan. Uh, yes, 741. 
741 of our closest friends and loopers. You guys are the reason we're able to continue to provide you guys with this, if you want to call it entertaining entertainment uh, on a weekly basis, three times a week. And we cannot tell you guys how much we appreciate it. If you're listening to the show after the live stream, totally cool. And if you're listening on a streaming platform, even better, make sure you give us five stars and thumbs up, whatever the highest rating on your streaming platform of choice is and share the show with a friend so we can continue to build the college loop family. You guys are the best listeners in the world. That is a scientific fact been proven by 10 out of 10 doctors. You guys are the best. Now, one other thing, if you want to continue to support the College Loop podcast, you can head over to thewarreport.com, www.thewarreport.com, and pick up your very own College Loop War Report Podcast Network co-brand and feeling loopy t-shirt. Dylan wants to throw it on the stream anytime. That's fine with me. I'm uh, sitting here trying to riff while he's uh, getting there. It is. Comes in five different colorways. Only $25. Most comfortable shirt you will ever own in your entire life. And it's the way to tell the world that you are a looper. And that's something you should be proud of. That's something we take an immense amount of pride in. So head over to thewarreport.com. Also, make sure you head, head over to the Warreport. Oh, I'm sorry, Dylan. I apologize. If once you pick up your Feeling Loopy t-shirt, use hashtag Feeling Loopy. That's Feeling without the G. On whatever social media platform makes you the happiest, tag us in it. Send it to collegeloop1 at gmail.com if you feel so inclined. If you don't want to go on social media. And we'll throw it up on the next stream, next show, whatever that looks like. You guys are the best. While you guys are at it, make sure you go check out the other podcast network uh, features. That would be the Uptempo Podcast and the War Report. Give those guys some love. They are the best. They're absolute dogs. Can't tell you how much we love working with them. And now, without further ado, it is time. He's grinning ear from ear in the back, in the back room. I can see it on the, on the bottom screen. For Daniel Locke to make his triumphant return, you know him best as a founding member of the College Loop Podcast. We know him best as our friend, Mr. Daniel Locke of 1819 News, is here in Auburn women's basketball did the unthinkable, taking down Kim Mulkey and Angel Reese 67-62 inside of a packed-out Neville Arena for women's basketball. Daniel Locke was sitting courtside. Daniel, are you have you, has your blood pressure come down yet? Uh, no, no. Um, I was flying up I-85 uh, northbound at about 90 miles per hour, um, as a matter of fact. But so good to be back. Uh, I've missed every single one of you and just so excited to see what this program's done. Uh, hopefully my audio is okay. Um, never done this on my phone before, but yeah, this is this is a monumental thing for Coach Jay here at Auburn. She did it in her first year, upsetting the number four team in the country, Tennessee Volunteers. She did it again now, and really, the sky's the limit for what this program can do going forward. Because this is still a roster that, while this is by far the best roster Coach Jay's had at Auburn, it is far from being even mid-level in the SEC. And that's just the unfortunate fact about it, but it's getting better. And, you know, this rebuild was going to take time, and I still think it's ahead of schedule. And I just can't say enough good things about Coach Jay and just watching her outcoach Kim Mulkey, arguably the best in the game today. Absolutely. And 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 let's let's be honest here. It started on the defensive end of the floor, Daniel. Sure. Right? And and there was a clear defensive uh, strategy. You heard it in the postgame, uh, region postgame show. Uh, when when Brent Bowen was speaking with uh, with the entire coaching or half the coaching staff of uh, Auburn women's basketball in terms of their game plan and their game plan is obviously to limit Angel Reese well you, you only limit her to 24 points she does what she does because she's one of the best players if not the best there's a young lady in Iowa who has an argument uh, of, uh and, and women's basketball but how did Auburn get it done while still giving up uh, 24 to Angel Reese on the defensive end of the floor well like you said it Defense was a focus. They limited a team that averages 93 points a game to 62. And that is not easy to do at all. But they got it done. And while they didn't eliminate Angel Reese at all, they eliminated everyone else. Um, one other LSU player scored 12. Can't remember who it was. No one else broke double figures. There were two in double figures, uh, three in double okay. figures. You had Morrow and Johnson both hit 12. Gotcha. 
well, they made LSU do things that they aren't particularly comfortable doing. And another thing they did, this LSU team loves to shoot threes. Can either of you tell me how many threes LSU shot today? Two. Two. And technically one, because that, that one at the end, like, if they had more time, they wouldn't have shot three. Like, that's just, that's not what they were doing today. So Auburn was like, you know what you like to do. We're not going to let you do that. And that is just, that's hard to do in the game of basketball. And they forced LSU to play in areas that just weren't comfortable. They forced them to drive in, and no one was able to really penetrate. Not even Angel Reese there at the end. Jemaya Mingo Young really made sure that no one was going to post her up. Absolutely. And, and, and another narrative that Auburn defeated today, guys. I mean, let's, they, there's no hiding behind the fact that Auburn has sucked in, this, in the third quarter games over the past couple weeks. Uh, they've, been, they've come out of uh, halftime flat regardless of where they're at. They've come out of halftime looking like they're unmotivated. They're not one coherent unit. And, and Daniel, they, they got the job done today. Sure. Was there a tangible what, – what, what was the difference maker? I feel like the big thing was only going in the halftime down, I think it was four or three or something. Maybe it was just one. But they were only down by a couple at half, three. Okay, they are only down by three at half. And I feel like that's ultimately what made the difference is when they went back into the locker room, Coach Jay and company were able to tell the team, like, look, you've competed for a half. You're three points down right now. And you have the opportunity to knock off the number seven team in the country. You've just got to stay focused. We know we've sucked in the third quarter, but you just got to get through that. And I just ultimately feel like they just wanted it. And um, not, not to mention, I mean, they won the third and fourth quarters outscoring LSU 17 to 15 and then 16 to 10. It's not sure. like they were just praying that LSU wasn't hitting buckets. Granted, they were not, they could not buy a bucket coming down the stretch. But no. you, you were going to need some help for this, right? It, it was going to take some help. Else you need to be off, and you played your best brand, brand of basketball. You mentioned that the the rebuild is ahead of schedule. What does a win like this do for propelling a program? Well, I mean, you can look at that um, question from a number of angles. From the recruiting angle, there were so many recruits uh, at the game today. Um, and women's basketball recruiting, it is harder than men's basketball recruiting Absolutely. because there's just it's harder to, there's just not as much exposure. There's just not as much out there, but there were two sections like zoned off for recruits today. They were, they were both packed as was the rest of the arena. Um, so it does a lot from that angle, the transfer portal, same thing. Um, NCAA tournament, like this is a signature win. Uh, if Auburn's on the bubble, like they kind of were last year um, to, for parts of the season, this really gets you over the hump. And I feel like this win alone, it, it's a confidence booster. Because um, now, going into the Vanderbilt game on, I think it's Thursday night, uh, on the road, the team can be like, look, look what we did Sunday. There's no reason we can't do that again. And it just completely changes your team morale. And ultimately, I just feel like it really makes making the NCAA tournament a possibility for this season. It certainly puts it on the table, Dylan. Yeah, and looking at it from uh, a standpoint, just we've been to a lot of Auburn Blue basketball games, and the environment was nothing like it was today. And you talk about like Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark being bigger than bigger bigger than the sport because they, they just attract people to come to the games. And you talk about the recruiting being the two recruiting sections being packed. What does the environment do for Auburn recruiting, and ultimately just the brand itself? I feel like it shows these. Um, potential recruits that, hey, if, you, if you're if you doing your thing, Auburn will support you. 
Uh, we saw it with volleyball this year. Um, they broke their all-time program attendance record. And basketball did it, women's basketball did it today. So it just shows those these prospects like, look, Auburn fans, if you build this thing, they will come to reference my all-time favorite movie, Field of Dreams. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they just it shows that this is a fan base that is just as passionate, just as supportive as anyone in the country. And playing in front of a crowd like this is nothing new for LSU. They do it all the time. All of their home games are like this. Um, but it really shows that Auburn can be like that as well. Kind of building off that, Daniel. When I say the number 7,720, how hard is it to fight back a smile after something like that, man? It's impossible. Um, I've loved this program since I stepped foot on campus. I've loved covering it. Um, there, outside of winter break games, there have been four women's basketball games in my three years at Auburn that I haven't been at either as a fan or covering. Um, and my goal is to not let that number get any bigger. I love this team. I love Coach Jay. Um, I love every player I've been able to interview. Just that this program means a lot to me. Uh, it holds a very special place in my heart, and I just I love seeing it succeed. So I haven't been this happy for this program since that Tennessee game when we were storming the court, which I wish could have happened today. It didn't, but you know whatever <laughs> you can't get everything it. you want. But pay, pay the fine, damn it. Yeah, come on now. But yeah, it's just it, it's like just a, like I said, it's impossible to not smile. Yeah, I, I and I I, I can't. I can't echo enough um, what what you just said. Uh, you you know as as long as you know me, at least I, I hope I hope that I've instilled this in you. How important women women's sports is to me, um, sure. and, and and how much this this basketball program in particular and Coach Johnny Harris what they mean to me. Uh, I I entered Auburn as a freshman uh, when when we were the laughing stock of of women's basketball uh, of in the SEC specifically, and to witness firsthand um, the, the the change, the culture change, the on on court product change, and now today seeing people invested in women's athletics. I mean, yeah. Daniel, this has been a historic year for people being invested in women's athletics at, at Auburn. It, the sky's yeah. the limit, right? It is. Um, obviously, volleyball had arguably its best season in program history. Um, set and broke its all-time attendance record, I believe. Three um, times. Three times. Then Auburn uh, women's basketball did that today. And I feel a big year coming for Auburn softball at this rate and Auburn gymnastics, just, just as popular as ever, um, despite losing a very key piece. But still, the, the fan support is there. And like I said earlier, it just goes to show that Auburn will support you. Um, if you are capable of putting on a show and you show that, there will be, there will be plenty of orange and blue filled, filling the venue to root for you. Absolutely. Uh, this is this is a tremendous win on the court for for Coach Jay and company. I mean, it, like you mentioned, Daniel, it's a signature win for Coach Jay, and she's got two in in, in, a, in a couple of years and, and two and three years. Uh, and when we talked um, before you uh, before you decided you needed to go focus on you know your life, which is rude. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Not calling Daniel out. Never taking shots, Mister Locke here. But we talked um, uh, before then about how this team is going to win some games they're not supposed to. Sure. All right. Let, let me let me just go and tell you. You can you can correct me if I'm wrong. I sure as hell didn't think it was going to be this one. No, no. I was talking to Auburn Women's Basketball Sports Information Director uh, West Todd after the game, and I jokingly said like, "Hey, you remember when I called this at media days in October?" And he was like, "Hell no." I was like, "Cause I didn't. Um, <laughs> I didn't think this was going to happen, but I'll take it for sure." And I'm really excited for the Alabama game next Sunday. 
Um, Auburn's on a lengthy losing streak to the Crimson Tide in women's basketball. And I can't remember what the exact number is, but I, I think it ends Sunday. That's my prediction right now. They're due. They're certainly and due. And it's on my birthday. Like, come on, give me a birthday gift. <laughs> They're certainly due. Daniel, thank you for coming back on, man. So good to hear from you. I will see you soon, my friend. Everyone, if you don't already know him, make sure you follow him at Daniel J. Locke on Twitter. I'm sure you already are. He's got more Twitter followers than me and Dylan combined. So uh, he's, uh, you know, Mr. Clout over here. We, we're, tr- we're trying to catch up to you, my man, of 1819 News. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us, my man. Drive safe, getting back home. Absolutely. Love you guys. Thank you for having right. me back on. Um, still love this show, man. Always will. <laughs> So good to see you, buddy. I'll see you soon. Later, guys. And that losing streak is nine. I just got it up. That losing streak is nine. Um, So that is Daniel Locke calling his shot there from 1819 News of Auburn women's basketball snapping that streak against Alabama on Sunday uh, as the show is coming out uh, next week, week from today. So without further ado, now that we've got one guest off the air, we're going to bring another one in. Friend of the program. You probably know him. From being a legend, we know him from Auburn Sports Network and also just being an all-around good dude. And I'm going to bring in Mr. Jacob Hillman at this time, and we're going to talk a little bit about his experience. Mr. Hillman, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Hey, riding high from this afternoon, my friend. Never been better? Never been better. I mean, I yeah, no, I, yeah, sure, we'll go with that. We're locking in never been That's better. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Hillman, you were sitting courtside uh, today and uh, got to witness – I said this to to Daniel. I don't know if you've heard it yet, but I'm going to mm-hmm. use this cliche again. Uh, I'm going to open here. When I tell you the number seven thousand seven hundred and twenty, where where how how do you control the excitement? Yeah, that that would have been a difficult number to really register before today. But when you see it and you you experience it, then you realize that that is going to be closer to the norm. Now, is that going to be the number every single game? No, but. I think that that is going to start a trend, especially with this Auburn fan base of of attending these women's basketball games. And and I heard Daniel talk about it earlier, the volleyball attendance record as well. You guys talked about that. And I I think that's going to continue. And uh, this administration, this athletic program is doing an amazing job of promoting these athletes and these teams and these programs. And I'm excited to see it continue to grow. So, Today was just the start, and I and I think that uh, it continues to get better. It was the environment was great, but let's talk about that ball game. For uh, sure. Let's 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 dive into that, and we're going to have Jacob Hillman for. We're going to wrap up women's basketball, and then we're going to roll over into men's basketball. His bread and butter. He's former president of the jungle. Everybody bow down. Here comes the chief. Hail to the chief, <laughs> Jacob. I just called you Jacob. I'm never doing that again, Hillman. All right, <laughs> buckle up with me for a second here. You were most impressed by Auburn's ability to do blank on this afternoon uh create turnovers and create chaos especially in that first quarter and and really in the second half second quarter was uh, i thought lsu found its balance and really got back in the game but really that first quarter and the second half this 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 auburn defense was really really incredible and, and strong and and forced turnovers the entire time and really was able to convert uh those into points and that was important because going back to what Daniel said, this LSU offense averages 90 plus points per game and you hold them to 62, but you got to score yourself. And whenever you're going up against a strong team like this, number seven in the nation, defending national champions and all American and Angel Reese in the middle, it's going to be difficult to do that unless you're just firing from three. And Auburn did all right from three, made a couple of big shots, especially towards the end of the game. But it really was uh, about those turnovers and uh, converting them. 
into points. So I also thought the rebounding was solid, and especially when you didn't have necessarily the height advantage, went uh, Owen and Savannah Scott both got in foul trouble. Uh, they did a really nice job of not allowing those often any offensive rebounds. Didn't really result in too many second chance points. So I was impressed by the rebounding and uh, especially the defensive uh, chaos. Absolutely. I'm going to let Dylan ask a question that I got one that's going to put you on the spot and you can say, no, you don't want to answer it. It's cool. Well, we are now in year three of the Coach J era and now have two top, I was going to say top ten. five, but top 10 wins. Uh, sadly, this one did not result in a court storming. I definitely felt like it should have, especially whenever you beat a team that's won a championship uh, the prior year. I'm a transitive property. Auburn is the 2022 national champions because 2023, 2023. And you yes. just give them a year. Give them all. We're claim. We're we're now in the business. We're now in the business of claiming national champions. We have five now in football. Come on, we can claim another one. Why not? Uh, where would you put uh, at the? Where would you put this rebuild? Like where 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 are we at? Yeah, I I think you're you're in a good spot, and I really think that when you see the atmosphere and again the buy-in as well as the. Uh, really the, the the recruits that were in attendance today, then you know that this program is on the way up and it's continuing to trend up. Uh, obviously, you didn't start SEC play the, the way you wanted to, but you had an impressive non-conference schedule and you've had moments throughout this not this conference slate that certainly seems like Auburn belongs, uh, at least in the middle of the SEC, which, which is fine right now. You're not going to be competing with the South Carolinas um, as far as season-long uh, uh, conference record goes uh, of the world. Um, and same with LSU. LSU will end up being one or two in the SEC right there with South Carolina. But if you're Auburn, you're, you're looking to finish right there in, in the top half of the league, and uh, you have a chance to make the tournament. And obviously that's the goal this year after making it to the NIT and winning a game in the NIT last year. Uh, these girls want to make the NCAA tournament. So you're in a really solid spot. and. Uh, I, I really hope that those recruits that were here this weekend get to see uh, what this coaching staff is about and uh, what this program team is about. Because, like I said, it's, it, it's just getting started. And, uh, again, I, I think as far as the current state, how, how this how the season goes, hopefully this can spark a run. Hopefully you can go to Vanderbilt, beat a ranked Vandy team, and then come back home and win in front of another big crowd uh, against Alabama to snap that losing streak against them. So I, I, I really do think that this season could turn around instantly. I love what I saw from them in the non-conference play. So I, I think that getting this win has to build some confidence. And you didn't have any third-quarter woes like you have in pretty much all three games so far in SEC play uh, today. So it, you got to continue that, find some consistency, and – uh, you never know where you'll find yourself in March. Agree completely. I think you hit the nail on the head. As AJ Rivera mentions, he thinks tonight's win shows that Auburn's capable of beating the best and can sneak around, mess around, and win the SEC tournament. I mean, well, once you get to March, nothing matters. Right. And this team has the capability to get hot and, and find its rhythm shooting. We, we saw it in some of those non conference games. And I, I really think some of the guard play is starting to come around. Honestly, Scott Grayson, obviously, scoring uh, at her will. She's unbelievable. And, Jemiah Mingo Young, she has been uh, an impressive leader uh, coming into her first year as a transfer, but she's obviously one of the older players on the roster. 
And then Caitlin Duhon, she she has found her role as that sixth man on, on off the first one off the bench and sixth man on the team, and has been so impressive doing that. And Marshawn Bostic, obviously, she continues to work in her role, and and, and I think it's something where you're going to see some of these roles expand at some point. But right now, they are playing and competing at a great level and are just trying to find their groove uh, once they uh, continue into SEC play. Well, as, as, as I put a little bow on this, I'm glad you mentioned that. I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade here, gentlemen. We talked about this with, with Daniel, and, and I'll mention this again to you before I ask you my final question. If you could take back a couple of third quarters, Auburn's looking at a pretty damn good SEC record. Uh, right, and, and I mean, I look back to that Tennessee game when you had an 11-point lead at, at the half. What a start to SEC play if you'd been able to hold on to that win. And who knows what happens on that road trip to College Station and Oxford if you're able to pull that one out. You probably build that confidence then, but it is what it is. You're going to lose games. Yeah, absolutely. That, 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 that's Especially in this league. An 0-3 start isn't obviously ideal, but you, you can make ways with it. Yeah, absolutely, Ken. And here's my here's my closing question as we get ready to pivot over to men's basketball, conveniently also beating LSU. Bad weekend to be an LSU basketball fan. Uh, does this Auburn team, this women's basketball team, have it in them to make the tournament this year? I think so. Because, like I said, what we saw today, what we saw in that first half against Tennessee, what we've seen at times, even on the road against Texas A&M and Ole Miss, is that they are capable. They are a legit squad. And this is a little bit different than previous years where I felt like you really had to win all of those games. I, I feel like what, what it was a few years ago, it wasn't about stealing games, which Auburn has done a great job of. I mean, you, you have ranked wins against Tennessee. You have ranked wins against Georgia, Georgia Tech. So Auburn's been able to steal wins and, and win games that they aren't supposed to, so to say. But it's about winning those games that maybe you are supposed to. And I think that – Finding that consistency starts next Sunday against Alabama, right back at Neville Arena, hopefully in front of another packed-out electric crowd. Uh, obviously, Thursday is going to be a tough matchup at Vanderbilt. So you're not expected to win that one. If you do, you are rolling uh, going into that uh, rivalry game on Sunday. So it's, it, it's all about finding consistency. And if they do that, then who knows what the second half of um, – of January and what all of February looks like. So it's all about putting yourself in position and, and making those net rankings and, and all of that resume building stuff look good. Speaking of resume building, let's pivot over to men's basketball right here on the College League Podcast. That's why we brought Hillman on. Hillman, you were just courtside. We couldn't not talk to you about the big moments basketball win today. I knew you were excited too. So wanted to touch base with you here. All right, Dylan, I'm going to let you drive for the majority of this, but I'm just going to go ahead and lay it out there on the line. I can say this. Jacob Hillman can't, even if he does agree. I'm not saying he does. He doesn't always agree with me. I'm not always right like him. Auburn tried their best to look horrid in, this, in the second half of this game. Um, they, they, they really did. And I've, I've got some grievances that I'm going to bite my tongue and, and hold on to, either until Hillman leaves so he's not attached to it or um, close, close to that time frame. But Auburn sneaks out a win, and I say sneaks out because they were up by almost 30. And win this game 93-78 to 78 against LSU on Saturday. Don't want to let you drive, Hillman. There's a lot of good stuff to take away from this game, but there's equally enough stuff that you can say, what on God's green earth um, did we just witness? So don't want to let you drive wherever you want to start is uh, the world's your oyster, my friend. And I will say, I just got a notification on my phone that a five-star wide receiver just decommitted from Alabama. So, <laughs> But the biggest storyline from this 
uh, from Auburn's men's basketball beating LSU. I don't want to get them confused. It's going to be a little confusing to talk about from the <laughs> from the rest of the show. Uh, biggest storyline, Bo Nix's return <laughs> to Auburn. Uh, he was in Neville Arena for <laughs> to watch Auburn take down LSU. Uh, also a lot of funny pictures of him and Walker White. So hey, Let me be real. I, I, I'm so glad that Bo got the uh, applause that he deserves uh, as an Auburn man, as an Auburn graduate. Um, it, it was cool to see him back. I mean, listen, when you work in sports, you're going to wear many different hats. And that, 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 that is what it is. He, he, he's, he's now a Central Phoenix City guy instead of a Pitts and Valley guy. And, you know, he, he's going to rep Oregon as well, but he's still an Auburn man through and through. So it, it was good to see him at the game and, and get that nice applause. Uh, Auburn did take the dub behind 19 points by one Chad Baker Mazzara. If you're an LSU Tiger, it was a scary day to see someone with a hyphen in their last name, I must say. Uh, <laughs> Chad Baker Mazzara, Oscott Grayson, Jemiah Mingo Young all went ham against LSU Tigers. Uh, and it can't be mentioned, we finally got well, more than one three from Aiden Holloway. He seemed to finally find a groove early on in the game, got 13 total points, and cannot ever forget that Janiah Broom is, of course, a – Dog, uh, Hillman. I just want to get your sorry. Uh, sorry. I'm sorry. I, did you say something? Like that? I I think I got a lottery. Sorry, I had a little <laughs> something going on there. I'm, <laughs> I'm putting in the groundwork for him, Hillman. I'm in the trenches. I, I can see that. I'm in the trenches. Hillman, I'll get your immediate thoughts on this game, and then we got some bullet points we'll hit on throughout the remainder of the basketball talk. Yeah, I, I kind of want to go back on what Harrison was saying. There, there were points in this game where. You were a little nervous. I mean, even even when Auburn when, when Auburn went up twenty eight, you, you felt really good about this team sure. and that game. And, and and then obviously, bang, 22, 21 to two run for LSU, and you're wondering what the heck happened. And and, and some of it was uh, some lack of dif- discipline and an effort on defense, and and also just LSU making shots. Then they they had four consecutive possessions making threes. How how often is that going to happen? It's not going to happen very often, uh, but 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 what happened after that is where Auburn kind of fell apart on offense and uh, wasn't able to get anything going and, and went on that scoreless streak. It, it didn't seem like um, the Tigers were running their offense like they wanted to. Um, it didn't Pearl, like they were running their offense at all, I'll say it. Right, yeah. It, it, it was weird, but here's the positive. You grew such a large lead that LSU went on that run – and it got down to as low as nine points. You know, as soon as it hits that single digit, Mark, you, you get a little worried. But as soon as that happened, Auburn found its stride again and was able to pull away and win by 15. That That's that's the fact of the matter is that Auburn led by 28, Auburn won by 15, and you felt a little weird about it. You didn't, you didn't feel super excited because there was a 10-minute span or so that did look like great basketball. And that's a fact. So – I, I think that this team is really uh, starting to win in different ways. I thought that Texas A&M win on Tuesday night was a big stepping stone. It gutsy. Because, just gutsy. Right. Obviously, when you go into when you go into Bud Walton and Arkansas quits after 10, 15 minutes, then you don't really get a lot of work done that, that you can really use moving forward. Now, that Texas A&M win, you will look back on that one and say, this was the time that – this player stepped up and whatnot. Point being, sure. I was glad to see Auburn uh, stay in it, not not obviously not give up that lead, but more so finish the game strong 
after um, um, giving up that big run. I was going to let Dylan drive the whole time, but I'm the world's biggest liar um, because I got to jump in here. Um, 21-2, right? Yes. Yeah. Saved by the under four, right? Am I wrong? Stopped by the under four. Correct. You can't die with them. You can't die with your timeouts. You can't carry them over game to game. And I, I am so for players, coach. Bruce Pearl's the right guy at Auburn. He's one of the best country co- coaches in the country, if not the best coach in the country, in terms of players, coach, being able to recruit talent, develop talent. But sometimes – statue. Yeah, you know, no, I, yes. Yeah, uh, uh, beyond his departure from Auburn in retirement, whatever a long future that will be, you're, you're absolutely correct. You can't carry the one. That one timeout doesn't give you five next game. Those four timeouts doesn't give you eight next game. Spend them at some point. That is my one biggest gripe I think I've ever had with BP is sometimes you just got to kill the momentum. And and I know that this is not the business you're in here, Jacob. I'm not attaching myself to you. This is my own independent thoughts. I'm an independent thinker sometimes. All right. But you you start going, all right, doing like the Peyton Manning. I'd call a timeout here. Okay, I'd call a timeout. Timeout. And what I'll have to say about that is you mentioned the players coach thing. That That's what it's all about. He wants his guys to figure it out. He wants his guys to learn and and, and do that. It's a trust thing. It's a trust thing. And I, and I think in previous years, it has definitely cost Auburn at times. It, it, it has uh, changed the flow of the game or the momentum of the game. And that it is what it is that you, you come with the good, you get the bad as well. That's with everything. And I think that, what you saw last night was definitely not that happening because you had such a large lead. And I just think this team's different. I, I just really do think this team is different that no I matter who's on the floor, <laughs> no matter who's on the floor, you have, a, you have trust in them. And I think that's why coach Pearl didn't call a timeout, even when it felt like, all right, Aiden, that, that was one too many threes that you should have taken. Probably not the best shot in the world. It's because he's a freshman, and and it's time for him to learn. And guess what? The guy uh, right behind him on the bench is a sophomore that's having an absolute surge of a season. A brilliant and season. It, 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 it's it, it's something to watch because they were both in during that run. Trey Trey was kind of uh, in at the start of it. Then Aiden came in at the end of it. But I thought it was really it was really nice to see again just them figuring it out. And I, I think that teaching moment. Right. And again, I, I'm sure I, I, I wasn't on Twitter uh, because I was, I was doing the best. but <laughs> I I'm sure, I'm sure Twitter was freaking out about him not calling the timeout. So be it. It is what it is. I, I won the game. Right. I, and again, I, I, I think that LSU at that point was also kind of gassing itself out. Yeah. yeah. Don't give don't give them a free timeout. And obviously they're not going to call one uh, to stop that run. So I, I think this team is different. I think they have their way of figuring it out without uh, the help of the coaching staff as far as directly on the floor. They, they don't need to call timeout. They, they want to keep flowing um, and, and find that. Because And I also here, – here's another thing. I think that these guys, they also find those spurts where, I mean, you blink and they, they've gone on yeah. and run. That, yeah. that doesn't happen with a lot of teams. There's a lot of teams that you, you, you don't see that from. Um, but I, I think it starts with that second wave of Trey Donaldson, KD Johnson, uh, Chad Baker, Bizarra, Dylan Carwell, and Chaney Johnson. Those five guys, when they come in, I mean, it, it, it it's lightning in a bottle. You never know what's going to yeah. happen. 
You're right. So, um, Look, I'm not. I'm not saying that this group could beat the 21-22 team. All I'm saying is it'd be a fun game. Uh, they got some, that, that team. Had, that team had players. That a lot. I mean, two. And a few of the same. What's that? A few of the same players. Too. Yeah, we'd have to clone a couple guys. There'd be two Simos <laughs> and two J Wills running around. Hey, dude, uh, Cardwell's. Cardwell, two Katie Johnsons running in the world. Or Leo Bermans. There's uh, there's already two Katie Johnsons in the world. One of them there is are. just there's one, one, one of one of one of say one of them yeah. is just six inches taller <laughs> and a little what? bit more consistent. You see, Jacob, you messed up by agreeing to come on the loop because now we are talking Auburn basketball and we're going to let some of our listeners kind of throw some questions at you. How huge is it for Auburn the Tennessee and Kentucky lost this week? I don't think it matters that much right now. Uh, it's early in SEC play. It's, it, it is interesting. If you look at the top of the SEC standings, state of Alabama is actually pacing the league. That probably hasn't happened very often uh, in history. But, yes, I, I think – now what I think it's good for is seeing them – exposed you're going to have that on film you're, you're going to be able to study that and figure out why texas a&m was able to score 97 points or 80 something points in regulation against the wildcats and then with tennessee why did they struggle on the road so much losing it and probably should have lost against georgia trail by as many as 11 in the second half of that game so as far as the results doesn't really matter but looking at it from that aspect uh They've both been exposed, and Auburn will be exposed at some point, too. You're not going to yeah. go 18 no. That, that's a simple fact. So that's, that's, um, that's where Hillman said the first wrong thing on this podcast, but that's all right. I will say <laughs> the, Kentucky, the Kentucky game, they did – the NCAA did void that loss to Texas A&M uh, because of the fact that Ty Ty Washington, Washington yeah. wasn't playing. Yeah. Uh, so they they voided it. But I thought maybe they were going to request a new floor at Reed Arena kind of – you know, you know, yes. last December they had they had some issues with their floor up and rub, but yeah, that it happens. Happen. It happens. Um, yeah, I'm so glad you're level headed because I actually think that those two losses were huge. Um, so, anyways, let's go into is Jay Will playing his way into the NBA draft? Now, this this is a question, and I didn't think that this would be a real question coming into this season, but here we are. I have I know where he should go. That's what I was looking at. I know where he should season. go. <laughs> I know the hey, I know the OKC, OKC fans would love that. They'd love um, another Jay Will. There's never enough. I so. need a Jay Will to Jay Will to Jay Will <laughs> in my life. I need the can highlight. Hillman, can, can you give us a, a little sound bit what that would sound like? Williams kicks it out to the top of the key to Williams, who's going to lob it to Williams? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that listen, it, it'll sound way better when it actually happens okay. next year because okay. Jalen is absolutely playing himself into the NBA draft. Now, as far as first round production, I don't believe we're there yet. He's going to have to do it against this tough competition that's coming up over the next month. I, I think when you're playing the Kentuckys and the Tennessees, that's when he's going to have to make his money. But as far as draftable and showing his ability, uh, absolutely. He, he's got the size. He's got the athleticism. And it, it was all about him finding that scoring range and playing well on defense. So, it, man, J Jalen is really playing – uh, his absolute butt off this this year. And I think he's the one guy. He's the one guy you might see his minutes continue to increase because we talked about, and Chris Pearl has talked about his rotation. He's not going to short it. That, that, he doesn't do that. I, I do think that Jalen at some point will have a 35-minute game. I think he will because he will get that dang hot and he really hasn't cooled off since that Indiana game. He, he, he's been real dominant. Um, so I, I'm excited. Even if he's not scoring, 
20 points. He, he has been dominant with drawing attention to him or just on the defensive end. So plus I, minus speaks for itself. Exactly. And, 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 you know, we're talking about Chad Baker was our, his plus minus is incredible for limited action. So sure. um, what, I, what I would say about Jalen though, is that he is going to continue to grow and get confident. I, I feel like that's the, the thing we talked about these last four years with Jalen is if his confidence were to grow and, and increase, he would be by far the best player on the floor. And he is starting to show that. I mean, you look at some of these dunk attempts and some of these dunks that he's made over the last several games. I, we have not, other than that um, dunk off the backboard he had against Tennessee his freshman year, we haven't seen that since then. It, and now it feels like he's becoming more aggressive and he's finding his spots, whether that's from three, whether that's that mid-range float, or whether he's going to go rip someone's face off at the rim. He's going to do it if he's confident. The definition of, of having patience and trusting the process, really, uh, Jalen Williams. And kind of on that same note, what's, what's that In terms of taking someone's face off at the rim, Tar, I, be, I believe I am more experienced and the better person that started this conversation because I'm a lot higher on this player than you are uh, because that is one Mr. Dylan Cardwell. I was going to – okay. Yeah, you know what? Go ahead. Who last night had five points. He had six rebounds. He had three assists. He had one steal. And this man had four blocks. Dylan Cardwell playing at the highest level of Dylan Cardwell that we have seen and the most consistent Dylan Cardwell we have seen thus far. And to talk to about AJ's question, is Cardwell playing his way into a G League slash overseas contract? It's possible, but here's the thing. Dylan, I believe, has another year of eligibility. Yeah. So I was I was about to say, about to say that I don't know if that's necessarily in consideration right now um, for him. Now I'm not, I don't want to speak for him and say that, but I mean the 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 way he loves Auburn and 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 the fact that he's um, he is the backup. If if Janai Broom were to go to the NBA, which I think we kind of expect, it's a lottery, anyways. Um, right. Right. He's going to have a chance to be the starter next year. And that's how he can prove himself even more. And and here's the thing. Early in this season, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and act like, Oh, he's like, I thought he's been great this season. I thought he struggled a little bit early on for sure. And right around that USC game, something clicked, something turned and he started dominating. At first it was just on the defensive end. I thought nothing's getting past Dylan. If he's, if he, is controlling the paint, patrolling the paint. He is not going to let anything get by him. But then he found confidence in his offense. And, and I think he's had that confidence all year, but now he's starting to showcase it a little bit. Whether that's flying in from half court and dunking a ball, or even if he gets the ball uh, in the post, him actually making a move and, and scoring with it. Or even if it's as simple as drawing fouls and really wearing out their other big guy. Because again, this is about this team's depth is that even when Janai Broom comes out, well, guess what? You have to deal with Dylan. And he, and he, he he's obviously um, a player that plays with so much effort and energy that guarding him, even if he is struggling, is difficult and will wear you out. And um, I think we can see some benches really struggle against him as well as the rest of the uh, four uh, later on. Yeah, and like Liam mentioned, him going three for four from the line was impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, he, I think he leads the team in free throw percentage. Wouldn't shock me. It's either I, him or Denver. Did, so because Dylan, obviously Dylan has a shot as many free throws, but 
looking to find that volume. Um, it, we, so I think he had uh, Tobias Harris's uh, shooting coach come in this summer and kind of help him out with that. And obviously Tobias has a great relationship with Coach Pearl as Coach Pearl coached him at Tennessee uh, way, way back. But I really think that having that um, taken care of and, you know, especially coming off that Houston loss in the NCAA tournament, I think that was a that was a big focus for a lot of this team. Right. They they really uh, they really wanted to make sure they shot the ball from the charity strike better. But also, um, it's interesting how he shoots the line drive free throw. And Sonny Smith, the best yeah. line drive shooter, uh, free throw shooter of all time. It, it, it's crazy, and it, and it and it's something that you don't have a lot of room for error. I mean, his misses are ugly, but they happen quite less than they used to. Um, so I, I really think that he's found his confidence in everywhere where, where whatever he's asked to do or whatever he's finding success in, he's going to continue to do because he knows the rest of his game will, will follow. And I was, I got the stat wrong. He does not leave the team in free throw percentage. He leaves the team in field goal percentage. Mm. There's a lot your of dunks. That's right. A lot of dunks, a lot of dunks. Jacob Hillman, thank you for joining us today, my friend. Um, go ahead and plug yourself um, where everybody can find you, where they can hang out with you and your work. And also, voice one of the voices of auburn softball yes yes we, we will be right here yeah we'll be we'll be uh getting that um we'll be getting ready for softball in the coming months so uh that's that's going to be exciting when baseball and softball are both getting back into action and and uh brit jj and i will have a blast calling games this season so uh we're looking forward to that because i i i i expect this non-conference schedule for softball um to test the Tigers a little bit more than we've seen in previous years. You, you see so much tougher matchups coming to JMD more field uh, in that early uh, preseason. So, well, um, if you if you want to help that. us knock out one more segment, you can go and highlight the the ones that you're you're, you're circling for us real quick because that was actually oh, coming up next. Why not? Listen, I, listen <laughs> I need to pull up the schedule so I can tell you by date. But I mean, I know that first one. You, you've got Virginia Tech at home to open the season and Illinois. I don't think. Auburn's had an opening tournament like that at home, maybe ever. Maybe ever. And, and pro- probably it probably happened um, in 2017 or 2018. But um, now it, it, it's looking like an exciting uh, uh, non-conference schedule, which, which, is, which is something that you haven't seen. Um, then after you go to Mexico, you do have a, a bit of a, a less challenging uh, tournament in the non-conference. But then you go to UAB and you come back home. And you've got Northwestern, who was a college uh, college World Series team two years ago, and you faced them last year. Uh, I think you got one against them, but but you lost the other one. So I look at this. I look at that non-conference schedule as it's going to tell us a lot about this softball team early on, and and I, I'm excited to see them uh, in action, and I'm, I'm ready to see JB Moore feel packed again. And, and again, this this is going to be an exciting time for Auburn athletics, especially. See the men's basketball and women's basketball teams make the NCAA tournament in March. That crossover season is going to be awesome. It's going to be a blast. All right. Thank you for, for spending time with us, Hillman, on, on this fine Sunday evening. Looking forward to seeing you this weekend, my friend. I uh, cannot get here soon enough so we can uh, have a crisp dap and enjoy an adult bevy. It's going to be a great time. Uh, make sure that you plug yourself so that way where they can find you. Love you and support you, my friend. Yeah, and, and, and I'll give a little quick rundown of some of the events going on this week with the Auburn Sports Network. Tomorrow night, Bomb Howers, uh, Coach Jay Show. Recapping that LSU win, getting ready for Vanderbilt. 
Uh, that'll be live on the Auburn Tigers YouTube as well if you want to watch it live or you're not in the Auburn area. Uh, and then Thursday, we'll have Tiger Talk back at Bomb Howard's Victory Grill. Coach Pearl and hopefully a player and um, another sports coach will join us then. That's at 6 Central um, on the Auburn Sports Network. But also th this week, you're going to have another chance to watch Auburn, Auburn Gymnastics against number two Florida on Friday at 5 o'clock at Neville Arena. Very limited number of tickets available, but you can't get a drink rep ticket at Auburn, uh, aubtix.com. And then obviously Saturday, uh, Ole Miss uh, comes to town and faces the men's team at 7.30 Central. Auburn Sports Network coverage begins at 7. That's going to be the bulk throwback game. So if you're coming to the game, be on the lookout for some of the um, of the cool shirts and logos that are going to be available uh, at Let's the game. Go. That's hype. And, and that will continue on to Sunday when Auburn hosts Alabama uh, in women's basketball. There's going to be Dewana Bonner, um, her jersey retirement, and her her banner being hanged in the arena. So well deserved. That, that is going to be awesome. Um, I don't have the game time for that one. I'm guessing it's at 2 Central. It might be at 1. Um, but whatever time it is, Britt that Bowen. Is, uh, 2 p.m. Central. So 2 Central. Uh, Britt Bowen, Dr. Larry Deshera will go on the air at 145 on the Auburn Tigers app. So you've got a loaded week. And obviously the, the two road trips for men's and women's basketball to Vanderbilt on Wednesday and Thursday. So if you're in the Nashville area, you've got a great chance to take in some Auburn hoops on Wednesday and Thursday night. Excellent. But, yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU. Follow at AU Sports Network, and um, we'll have we'll have broadcast details for you uh, for each and every broadcast. Hillman, always a pleasure to talk to you, buddy. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out on the loop. Yeah, it was good to feel loopy again for the first time in a while. But don't be a stranger. Don't let's not make the gap this long next time. I know. I know. I, I, I always love talking to you guys. I, I appreciate the time. War Eagle. War Eagle, buddy. War Eagle. He, he's so polished. He's so good at his job. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. That's it's almost like he works next to Andy Burcham. It is almost like he worked with Andy Burcham and Brad Law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's almost like he's got a good set of mentors. That was Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Um, one of close friend of the program, close friend of mine, uh, and Dylan's both. Uh, someone yes. that we uh, we went through the journalism school ranks with at Auburn and graduated right. Well, should have graduated right next to, but he was sick as a dog and missed commencement. <laughs> so, uh, Great to have him on as we continue on our slate. Um, I would say last, last basketball news because I just want to shout out and throw a congratulations at Mr. Carter Sobrera uh, for getting his scholarship after the LSU game. Big time. That's huge. Congratulations, Carter Sobrera. Yeah. And as we round things out, uh, gymnastics uh, loss uh, at the hands of number seven, Kentucky, at the time now number nine in the rankings. Uh, Let's talk a little bit, um, Dylan, just really briefly, and we've we've already run an hour and twenty on this one, and you know beat beat the people to death. They're ready to go and watch some uh, Detroit Lions football, which is something I never thought I would say in my life. But Detroit Lions, come on, Dylan, I'll let you give us the breakdown on this one, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, is uh, uh, overall it was a pretty close matchup. Uh, Auburn fell off in the beam department. Uh, it looked like that was it, beam is starting to look like what was last year's vault where we've now seen multiple instances of where it just wasn't going well. Uh, overall, they scored a 49.1 on beam, which did end up costing Auburn the dub by 0.45, yeah. 0.45, I believe is the correct math on that. Uh, but yeah, this is a, uh, it's, it's a tough matchup. You're playing against a, number, a top 10 team in the country that's going to definitely compete for uh, SEC and national award. with a lot of returners. Exactly with a lot of returners. Auburn, of course, was down two of their best performers. One of those being an Olympic athlete, and the other one being 
good enough to be an Olympic athlete as well, uh, especially with her floor routines, uh, because Darian Goborn is a no queen. WWE star, superstar. Yeah, I don't watch WWE. I never plan to in my life. But if there are, if Darian Goborn is going to be making an appearance, I might. I might be making a uh, an appearance. I will, yeah, I will be breaking my WWE silence <laughs> if that's the case. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it, it, it was a match that uh, showed Auburn is improving, and that's all Jeff Grable wanted. Uh, it, it's not, well, he wanted to win, but uh, wanted if they lost to show improvement, and I think they did that. Uh, now it's just time to show that improvement and get consistent. Uh, that's all it's going to take. Uh, and then in other news, Tar. One final announcement before we get out of here. There's another national champion on the plane still. Yeah, talking about claiming national champions. We don't gotta claim any for this for this tiger, if you will. This real and it's wild to me that as the tiger, Abby can do the things that he does. Unbelievable. Real tiger, too. Exactly. I, he he grew those extra appendages that he for thumbs and he actually grew hands uh as a mutated tiger and he just goes up there and he just has a good time and he's now won 11 11 national champions as because he is the best mascot in the country gonna update the banner on the side of this yeah gotta get a new banner gotta get a brand new banner and they they need to leave more room underneath the 11 because you know obby is the best mascot and he does it because he's not some kind of costume that is a real tiger that is sitting there doing flips and dancing and wearing costumes and making kids and adults alike all laugh and enjoy themselves. When I think of goats of, of, of the sports world, I think of Michael Jordan. I think of Tom Brady. And I think of Aubie the Tiger. And Serena Williams. And, and Serena Williams. <laughs> but see. at the top of that list is Aubie the Tiger. <laughs> yeah, real. That's so true. Because what, does Jordan have 11 championships? No. Does Jordan? No. If you combine both, or does LeBron? No. Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps. I'll give it to him. Yeah, he, he had a pretty pretty uh, impressive run. Even yeah, but, but here's the thing. Humans can swim. Not all tigers can dance. Real. So I, I do think this gives him the edge. So Abby is the goat. Uh, he might Agreed. be a tiger, but he is the goat. Agreed. And that draws to the conclusion today's installment of the college loop live stream man it wasn't a busy week at all was it Dylan? good lord have mercy <laughs> yeah i Time appreciate y'all staying and... around for an hour and a half yeah thank you guys so much for hanging out with us right here on the live stream you guys are the best listeners in the country in the world in the universe and all universes so we appreciate your continual love and support if you want to continue to do so make sure you follow us like subscribe ring the bell right here on the youtube channel give us your comments if you're listening to the show back obviously at this point you probably would have to be if you're listening on a streaming platform make sure you give us five stars thumbs up and share the show with friends we continue to grow the college loop family you guys are the best and the reason we are able to keep doing what we do want to make sure you guys stay updated with everything we've got going on over here so please hit subscribe help us get up there to 800 so we can feed colin once again if you want to continue to support the College Loop Podcast, you can head over to theworldreport.com. If you don't feel like typing in the link to go pick up your very own Feeling Loopy t-shirt, that's all right. It's in the description for any of our shows. You can go pick it up for $25, five different colorways. Use hashtag Feeling Loopy. That's Feeling Without the G. Whenever you pick up your shirt and tag us on social media or just send it to us via DM, whatever makes you happy, of your selfie of you wearing your very own Feeling Loopy t-shirt, we'll make sure we throw it up on the show stream. Whatever comes up next, whenever you decide to send it to us. Thank you guys for your continual love and support. I can't tell you guys how much fun this show has been. Congratulations to Johnny Harris and the LSU uh, the LSU Tigers who are going home sad. Not sorry for you. This is a big step for Coach Jay and company over at the Auburn women's basketball program and another step in the right direction for BP and company. Auburn football never ends. Auburn athletics never ends. We are getting ready to get run what we consider the gauntlet 
of Auburn athletics in the spring. Y'all think football's a bear? Wait till we get to the spring where we've got five sports going on at one time and it's a blast and everybody has fun. I'm Harrison Tarr at by Harrison Tarr, the bird app, and my voice is actively going out. So I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. But I want to tell you guys, you can hang out, hang out with me on the bird app or on Instagram at by Harrison Tarr. Some of your good takes, some of your bad takes, and everything in between. Thank you guys. Love you guys. All take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Dylan, let's get out of here. Of course, I'm Dylan. I able to hang on Twitter slash X at Y A B O Y the tank. Also, right. I'm, I'm now too zoomed in now. It's not right there. Also, have Instagram as well at Dylan Lark at D Y L E N L A R C K. And you guys can catch me right here on the College Loop. Please like, comment, subscribe. Leave your thoughts on the coach departures or any future coaches you would like Hugh Freeze to bring in to fill out his support staff. And of course, leave your predictions for upcoming Auburn basketball games. We have Vanderbilt coming up very soon for men's basketball. And I do believe the, men, the women's team is also playing Vanderbilt as well. Are they both playing Vanderbilt? Uh, men play Vanderbilt this week and women play Vanderbilt this week. And I believe they might both be on the road. Let me double check. I know, uh, I know the men are. Men, women are, are men, men and women are both back-to-back Wednesday, Thursday. That's what Hillman was just saying uh, just a moment ago. Um, are both in Nashville, Tennessee this weekend. Or not this weekend, this midweek. Exactly. And, of course, let us know what softball games you're going to be attending. Uh, me and my girlfriend love Auburn softball. Uh, probably up there – I'd probably say Auburn softball is my third favorite sport, and it's pretty close. So I, I love me some softball. Uh, we're going to be there, so let's know what games you plan on attending. Uh, but, of course, if you like the show, go make sure to like, come subscribe again. Go follow us on social media as well at on Twitter, slash X, whatever you feel like calling it, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all of those at the College Loop. Also have us audio versions of the show as well. Uh, that's going to be at the College Loop. It's going to be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Let me know if you want to see a tour of all of my jerseys that I now have behind me because I have a good chunk of those. Uh, and, of course, all that being said, thank you all for joining the live stream. Uh, we're going to all go watch the Detroit Lions win their first playoff game since uh, before me and Tara were born. Uh, and with all that being said, this has been the live installment of the 153rd episode of the College Loop Podcast. Love you guys.